Our uh, first reading is the reading from Romans chapter 8. Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, also through his Spirit that dwells in you. We rise for the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown in the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arise on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The gospel of the Lord. I invite you all to be seated. So, what I cue in on when I hear this week's gospel is the phrase, let the one who has ears listen. I've always thought that was an interesting phrase because, you know, when I was younger, I I heard ears, right? Well, everybody has ears, so everyone's supposed to listen. This is an obvious translation, right? 
As I grew older, I, I began to understand that just because someone has ears doesn't necessarily mean that they're interested in hearing anything you have to say. And I'm, I feel pretty certain that I'm not the only one who's made this observation. And I, I also figured out, mostly through being a student in school where I didn't have ears for a lot of what the teachers were saying because I had trouble sitting still. I had trouble sitting still long enough to read anything that I was supposed to read or do any of the homework I was supposed to do. And I, I certainly had trouble sitting still through, through class and not talking to people because I'm a, a huge extrovert and I tend to talk to everything. And I say everything because if you left me alone in the room, I'd probably be talking to the wall over there. And so I might have ears, but I'm not always inclined to use them. But it's, it's not just that sometimes we pay attention and sometimes we don't. You know, sometimes there are certain people who were able to hear. You know, I remember one of the first times where I found a friend who would really listen to the things that I had to say who I really felt like cared about the things that I was concerned about, who cared about me and the things that I valued, who, who I shared a lot, of, a lot in common with, you know, beyond just being in the same school together. And I remember that, that first deep friendship so fondly and all the time that we spent together. You know, dating is another time when we try to find somebody who has ears for us, right? I, I remember... Throughout the years, there are a couple people who I dated who kind of started to get me, but it wasn't until I met my wife. And in our first date, we went to a coffee shop. We spent six hours talking and playing rummy together. And, you know, it was the best date of my life. It was probably one of the least complicated dates I'd ever been on. But I felt from the very beginning that she could hear me. And not only that, I could hear her. She spoke my language and I spoke her language. It was the language of my heart. It was the language of my soul, and being a young man, it was the language that I wanted to hear. And, you know, I remember what that really felt like the first time somebody knew me. It felt so good to know that there was someone who cared about who I was and cared about the things I had to say and and cared about what was really going on with me beyond just what I could do for them. And I remember how good it felt to be able to provide that for somebody else. It's, a, it's an amazing thing when you find somebody who really sees you. Now, remember what I said about being a young kid. I couldn't sit still. And this wasn't just in school. This was also in Sunday school. And I spent a lot of time in the pastor's office. Maybe that was one of the reasons I became a pastor. Now, in seriousness, though, that really was one of the reasons I became a pastor. Because Pastor Iwan, who was my pastor at Christus Victor as a child, was one of the first adults who was willing to listen to me and take me seriously. And not just treat me like I was an annoying kid, which I was an annoying kid. I never, I never stopped talking. But he treated me like I was a human being. He treated me like I mattered. He treated me like the things I had to say mattered to him. And he was able to relate to me the gospel in a way that no one else had ever really taken the time to. And it wasn't deep theological treatises where we talked about things like the hypostatic union of the Trinity. It was relationship. You know, it's that old song, God loves us, we love each other, mother, father, sister, brother. You know, that's, it's about love, 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 right? We remember this song from when we were kids. That's what I learned from him. It was relationship. What it really means to be a part of God's kingdom, to be baptized into this family, to be brought into this church 
not just Wittenberg, but the church with a capital C, is that we're brought into a relationship with the God who hears our voice, who knows our hearts, who knows our minds, who knows our souls, who knows our deepest desires and our darkest secrets, and loves us. God speaks our language. And God is the one who hears us as we speak to God. This is the relationship. This is, this is what it means to have ears. When Jesus says, let the one with ears listen, what he's, what he's saying is, some people are going to hear the words that I have to say, and they're going to say, oh, there he goes, talking again. But some people are going to hear these words that I have to say about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God has come near that the love and the mercy and the reach and the, and the presence of God are so close that we can participate in it. And it is going to change their hearts. Now we hear this parable that Jesus tells, the parable of the soil. And I, I just want to warn you that the only thing I know about farming is what I learned in the Bible, which we all know how much it really tells us about farming. It just makes general metaphors. And then I served uh, St. John's in Lexington for six years, and I saw what real farms looked like. You know, what they called gardens is what I used to call a farm. And so, so if, I, if I do say anything about farming, just know that I don't really know what I'm talking about. But I, I do know what Jesus was trying to get at, I think, in this parable. You know, we hear a lot of times in this parable, the seed that fell on the rocky soil and the seed that fell on the hard soil and the seed that fell on the good soil... And I remember again when I was younger and I, and I read things much more literally, I was thinking, well, that means there, there are some people who are bad people. You can tell them anything you want about Jesus and they're just never going to get it because they're bad people. And, and some people are just kind of hard-hearted and stubborn. Not, not my family, other families are, are stubborn. And, and they're going to hear what Jesus has to say and maybe it'll do a little something for them, but at the end of the day, it's just not going to do much and it's going to wither because they'll hit hard times and they'll let it go because they hadn't really taken any time considering it. Or maybe these hard soil people are people who aren't serious people. You know, they're people who take everything flippantly. They, they hear the good advice that, that people offer. And if we've ever either had a child or been a child, we've had our parents say to us, I just wish you would listen to me because I know what, we're, I know what I'm talking about. Because, and, and there are a variety of reasons because, you know, when you get to be my age, you'll understand. Because I have more experience than you do. Because I've made more mistakes, you know, you can, you can go on about the reasons we give for because. You know, for whatever reason, it's a, they'll, they'll hear it and get excited about it, but it'll go away. And then there are those people, we like to call them Lutherans, who are the good soil, and the seed will be scattered onto their soil and it will take good, deep root and it will grow and produce much fruit. And then, you know, I lived a little bit of life and I began to ponder on what it means that we confess every week. We confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we've done and by what we've left undone. We've not loved you with our whole hearts. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And, you know, the whole problem with that last part, we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, is a lot of times I think I don't love myself very well. You know, if you want to get into therapy issues, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't know how to love yourself, that can explain a lot of the reason we have conflict, Right? Because we love people like we love ourselves. And think of how we treat ourselves. I am my own harshest critic. You know, I'm the one who knows all those 
dark secrets that I wish nobody would know and has those thoughts. Well, if anybody knew this, they'd never love me. You know, I'm, I'm the one who says, that, says to myself that nothing I do is ever good enough. I'm not smart enough. Well, I, I could say I'm not good looking enough. And no, that one's pretty true because I do see myself in the mirror. But, you know, we, when, we, when we think about the way we love ourselves and how poorly we can do it sometimes, maybe that line describes an awful lot of why we don't get along as communities or in families, or in counties, or states, or in nations, or among nations, because we, we lose that very first lesson. Remember, because God loves us, we love each other. We learn how to love because of the way God loves. And I think sometimes we forget to learn that very early lesson, that God loves us with a love that does not quit. Remember, I said that God speaks our language, and God hears our voices, and hears us in our own language, and understands it. You know, God knows those deep, dark places and sees them and loves them and baptizes us and redeems them. God has a plan for those places within ourselves that we just don't want to face. And it's not that God loves the bad things that we do, but the same way we love our kids when they mess up, the same way we love our parents when they mess up, the same way we give our friends chance after chance the same way we forgive each other in church when we have conflict, God sees us and loves us and forgives us, and that relationship continues because in God we have deep, rich, abundant soil. So we, we hear the parable of the sower, knowing what's inside of us, and what I began to realize as I grew older is that, you know, I'm, I'm not just good soil or bad soil. I have all of that within me. I have those places that are fertile and that produce a hundredfold and sixtyfold and thirtyfold for the kingdom of God because what God plants in me grows and what grows is able to plant those seeds in other people. I also have in me those stubborn places where my heart is hard, where the seed takes some root, but it's weak and it withers and it dies because I want my own way because I think I know what's best, because God might be God and know everything, but I'm me and I know what I want. You know, don't I know what's good for me? And those of us who have lived a little bit know that the answer is really, well, no, most of the time what we want really isn't what we need. You know, over time we learn how to, how to choose what's good. But as we grow up and grow into ourselves and learn who we really are, through joys and successes and failures and sorrow, you know, we, we learn that we didn't really understand ourselves as well as we thought. And there are those places within me that are just barren, where, where nothing grows, and that just cannot hear anything anyone has to say. You know, we, we come to this place not because we're this, this fertile soil that, you know, wants to just revel in how good God has made us. We come to this place because we recognize within ourselves that truth that we are the people who are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We are the people who sin against God, who sin against our family, who sin against our friends, who sin against ourselves, who fall short in our expectations, who choose not to do the things that are good, but choose to do the things that are evil. We are those people who are in bondage to that narrative of 
well, I really kind of deserve bad things because I'm kind of, right? But we are also the people who are living into the kingdom of God that is near. We're also the people who have been called by name through the waters of baptism into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and are living into this new eternal life that God is working in us and through us and around us. And we live in this kind of twofold truth that we are the hard, barren soil and we are the fertile soil and the planter knows what to do with us. And to me, that's good news. It's, it's good news that doesn't let me off the hook for, for the things that I do that disappoint me and disappoint people around me. But it also holds me accountable to admitting to the fact that I have some good in me too on those days where I just don't want to hear that. It also is baptized children of God, members of God's family. And remember, if, if we're members, then we're, we're children. If children, then heirs. As heirs of the kingdom of God, we have a responsibility in our family, not just to celebrate the sower, but to go out into our families, into our workplaces, into our communities, into the, into the places around this congregation, in the neighborhoods where we live, in the town where we are, and scatter the seed that the planter has given us to scatter. And this is where I get hung up too, because I, I know that there are occasions where I, where I think to myself, you know, this person's just never going to hear anything I have to say. I might as well not have anything to do with them. Or this, this person over here is from Irmo, and what good can come out of Irmo? Well, I came from Irmo, but, you know, well, we'll let you be the judge over whether anything good came out of that, right? Or, or this person's from the other Carolina, or this person's from another country, or this person looks, to, you know, there's, there's all kinds of reasons we write people off. Some of them make sense and some of them don't. But we, we hear again this word of grace, this word of love, this word of welcome, this word of hope, this word of promise from God that God loves the world. God loves the world that God is creating and everything in it. And we realize that in the same way that God scatters that seed on our whole person, both those pieces that are willing and those pieces that are unwilling, we too are called to scatter that seed in the whole world. And when we begin to think about this, all of a sudden what we do in church takes on a whole different meaning. It becomes something that's bigger and richer, that has more promise because we realize that we aren't just doing this to support our building, as beautiful as it is, and I like air conditioning a lot. I'm very grateful for this building. But it's to support the world that God loves. So as, as we hear this parable of the sower and the seed, I'd, I'd like to invite you all to do two things this week. Pray about those places in your life and give thanks for the places that are deep, rich, good soil where God's kingdom is blossoming. Pray for those places in your life that are rocky soil or hard life, hard soil, that God might till that ground so that it can become more fertile and produce the, the fruit that God has for you to produce. And also, pray for the world that you're in. Pray for the people that you know. Pray for those people that you experience to be difficult, who don't ever hear you, who you can't hear, who you might have conflict with. You might have prejudices against. I have prejudices like everybody else. And pray that God might till your heart 
and move your hand so that you might scatter that seed the way that God has intended, whether we're willing or not. This is the challenge and the promise of the gospel, that whether we're in a time in our lives where we are fertile and rich and willing to do it, or whether we're in a time in our lives where we're hard soil and we're stubborn, God is still scattering that seed in our heart. God still has the ears for our prayers. And God still calls us into this relationship where we have hope that wherever we are, not only might we listen, or not only might we speak, but we might also be able to listen too. Amen.